Good morning, everybody. Hey, let's just uh, take a second and welcome in the entire Victory family with us today. We got Midtown with us. We got Hamilton Mill. We got North Cobb. We got online from local to global. What is up, everybody? And we also have one other really special group of people with us in the room. We got our middle school students with us today. What is up? Hey, y'all get to see how us boring adults do it. <laughs> every Sunday. So, um, hey, one other uh, real quick thing before I dive in is uh, a, a number of you have been asking, hey, like, what can we do in regards to Ukraine? All right. Um, here's what I want to do. say. I mean, there's some stuff that's going to be coming up the, the next few weeks, but I'm going to say this. Because you are already a giving church, we actually right now have two Victory staff on the ground approaching the border of Poland and Ukraine uh, over there right now doing some groundwork. Um, and again, I'll share more in the coming weeks, but I'll say this, because you already gave, uh, we have purchased a van to uh, coordinate with the local ministry there that is currently evacuating senior citizens out of Ukraine. And in a certain city, they can only do one at a time. Now they're gonna be able to do six or seven at a time. And so literally because you've already given your I, I'm, this isn't an exaggeration. You're literally saving lives because you already gave. So thank you for that and more information to come in the next few weeks. All right. All right. So for today, um, I, I have been waiting on pins and needles for today because I'm so excited about what we're talking about. We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about the gospel. The gospel, this is so good. And what I wanna do, let me, I, I, I wanna catch you up though. If you are new with us or newer with us, I'm kind of taking like the first message of every series and just really briefly trying to remind us of the journey that God has us on. And here's, here's what we're calling the journey, emancipating greatness. All right, so maybe if you're here on, on one of the campuses, you're seeing some of the signage around and here's the idea is that we're acknowledging that God has put his unique gifts, talents, and abilities on the inside of you, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Therefore, I believe that you were made for something great. And the great journey that we are on is releasing what God put in us, out of us for his glory in the world around us. And since we want to release what God has put in us, we spent all of last year trying to get healthy on the inside so that when we release what God put in us, it'll come out healthy. And so this year, what we're doing is we're stepping into now multiplying on the outside. And we're beginning this journey, beginning to release those gifts, talents, and abilities, to uh, step further into our calling, to make disciples of Jesus who make other disciples of Jesus, to build family and transform community and reconcile cultures and impact nations for God's glory and for our good. And in the process, we become fully alive. Right, that's the big idea is corporately we're moving to influence a million souls for the name of Jesus. Everything we're doing, every sermon, every series is moving us in that direction, all right? So that's why our last series, let me give you some context, why our last series was on the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus says that we're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to be what? Witnesses. Were y'all here? Okay. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us so that we would be witnesses. Here's the good news, guys. Jesus did not send the Holy Spirit so we could have good programs. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so we could have his power to live, to tell, and to show the world who Jesus is, all right? 
But here's the, here's the deal, okay, here's the deal. If we receive power from the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, here's the big question, here's the big question. What are we witnesses of? Okay, the short answer is we're witnesses of the gospel, okay? Now for the long answer, you're gonna have to be here every week. Okay, but we're gonna, start, we're gonna start jumping into it today because the gospel, this word gospel is so important. We have to get this down. Here's what the, the apostle Paul says about the gospel, Romans 1, 16. You need to commit this to memory for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Come on, Midtown, are you ashamed? No, come on, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Gentile, first to the Jew, and then to the Gentile. And so we hear that and we reply, amen, right? Like that's good news. If you've been in church for a while, you've heard that a thousand times, right? We believe in the gospel, right? We wanna share the gospel. We want the world to know the gospel. We wanna preach the gospel. Some of you even listen to gospel music. But here's the problem. What's the gospel? Right? I, I think the word gospel is one of those really big loaded words that we, when we say it, we all think we mean the same thing, but I think we all kind of mean different things. And here's the truth, guys. If the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, we better know what the gospel is, right? If we're supposed to be carriers and witnesses of the gospel, we better know what the gospel is. But here's the problem, okay? If I was to take a poll today and I was to ask everybody here, what is the gospel? All right, a vast majority of us, our answer would be somewhere around John 3, 16. Okay, so for all the beginners in our midst, John 3, 16, let's put it up here on the screen. Okay, maybe you've seen this in the end zone in a football game. John 3, 16. <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen, that's good news. And so if I was to ask you today, what is the gospel? Your answer would be somewhere around that, 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 G, that, that Jesus died for our sins, that we suck, Jesus is great. That's the gospel, all right? That's, at the end of the day, that's the gospel. Here's, here's what I say. You're gonna think I'm sacrilegious for like the next 10 minutes, okay? Give me some grace, okay? But you'll, you'll be with me by the end, all right? Listen to me, Hamilton Mill. You'll be with me by the end, okay? Praise God for the truth of John 3.16. Where would we be without the truth of John 3.16? And here's, what I, here's how I'd say it. John 3.16 is central to the gospel, but it's not the whole gospel, John 3.16 is central to the gospel, but it's not the whole gospel. Here's what I'm telling you today. The gospel is not just that Jesus came to die for our sins. Here's why it's a problem that that's what we think that the gospel is. Let, let, me, let me give you four, four problems, okay? Here's the first problem. It starts in the wrong place, okay? We too often start the gospel in the middle of the story, right? You're a sinner and you need to repent and you need Jesus, right? And that's, that's where, and, and so it's like, wow, that escalated really quickly, <laughs> right? Like, you're like, okay, I guess I got to share the gospel. So you're like, you, you're a sinner and you need to repent. And your waitress at Olive Garden is great in your Parmesan. She's like, well, thanks. <laughs> I get, thanks. That's the gospel, right? Like that, that, that gospel is confusing, and it's 
oddly offensive, right? Now here's the deal. The gospel will be offensive, but let's make sure it's offensive for the right reasons. All right, so, so the first problem with the gospel just being about the forgiveness of our sins is that it starts in the wrong place. The second problem is this, it doesn't require anything of us. That gospel doesn't require anything of us. If Jesus died on the cross, again, hear me right, only to forgive us of our sins, then I'm good now. Right, I've done my part. Well, actually, really, Jesus did his part. So my whole relationship with Jesus is this, I'm sorry, I'm sorry again today. I'm sorry again. To, I know I've done it 14 times today since the last time I, I said it. My whole relationship with, with God is saying I'm sorry about things because he just died to forgive me. And here's, here, here's what I've, I've, I've learned, guys, is that a dead Jesus doesn't require discipleship. See, there's a problem when our gospel is only about the forgiveness of sins because that requires nothing of me besides, well, Jesus already paid the price. I, hey, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. By the way, if you have that bumper sticker on your car, get out early and take it off, <laughs> early. Because there's a whole lot more to you than just being forgiven. Okay, so here's the deal. If our gospel is just about being forgiven, right? It starts at the wrong place, right? It, uh, it doesn't require anything of us. And the th third thing is this, we'll find ourselves saying, just preach the gospel, man. Just be, because we don't understand what the gospel is. And so here, whenever any good preacher has the eternal like eye roll, like, Ugh, whenever you hear, just preach the gospel. Because when people say, just preach the gospel, what they're really saying is, hey, stop messing with my idols. You just need to talk about the cross, right? Because if a preacher ever dares talk about abortion or politics or race issues, or justice, or poverty. Dude, what are you doing? Just preach the gospel. Because here's the deal. If Jesus only died to forgive me of my sins, that has nothing to do with the world around me. That just has to do with me and Jesus. That doesn't impact how I see the world. No, that's just about me and Jesus. Me and Jesus are good. Why? Because he already did the work, and I accepted that. That's the gospel, which ultimately means the number four is this. Here's the problem. It's just, it's just too small. That gospel is just way too small. Hear me when I say this. Forgiveness is part of the gospel, but it's not the whole gospel. And what that means is this, is that most Christians' gospel is too small. Now, now think about this. Could our small gospel be the reason that most Christians are unmotivated to share it? because it's unappealing. What am I supposed to do with it? It's small, it's offensive, it's weak. It's based on death. Come on, somebody. It's too small. So let's back up, let's back up, and let's start here. What does the word gospel mean? Okay, let's put it up here. The gospel, gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion, which means good news. Good news, okay. So you break that, that, that Greek word into two parts, EU and angelion. So EU means um, a, a, good, a, a good thing, right? So EU, not like eh, <laughs> eh. No, it's like eulogy, right? You're gonna say something good about something, you, right? And angelion means message. It's actually where we get the word angel from because angels are messengers. 
all right? So what that, good message. The gospel is a good message. The gospel is good news. Come on, somebody. The gospel means good news. So that right there means that half of the people who say that they're Christians don't actually understand what gospel is, right? Come on, I, I live in the same world that you do. I see the videos of the people holding up the, the sign saying God hates gays. Come on, I, when I was at UGA, there was a guy who would always come on campus to the student center and he would stand there and he would indiscriminately yell at girls when they walked by, prostitute, prostitute, you need to repent. Listen, I don't know what sort of Christian you've ever run into in your life, but the gospel is good news. The gospel is, hey, I don't care what you've ever heard. Look at me right now. Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? The gospel is good news. So think about newsflash. Think about the, the thing that comes on the nightly news. What, that's the closest thing to gospel. It, it's saying that what we carry, what we have is this really big, really special, really important announcement. The gospel is good news, which is why the prophet Isaiah writes this in Isaiah 52, seven. He says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the gospel. Good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to the people of God in Zion, your God reigns. So if the gospel is good news, leave that up there. What's the good news? You see it right there. Here's what the good news is. The good news is our God reigns. If you boil the gospel down to three words, here it is. Our God reigns. Come on, say it with me. Our God reigns. Midtown, come on. Our God reigns. Hamilton Mill, North Cobb, come on one more time. Our God reigns. That's the good news, guys. Our God reigns. And we see it all over the Bible, starting Genesis 1, 1, the first verse of the entire Bible. Here it is. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, you. Not in the beginning, the United States. Come on, somebody. We don't need to make America great again. We need to make the kingdom great again in our land. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God was ruling and reigning over all matter and existence and time and space. Why is this good news? Because it means that this isn't all one big cosmic accident. It means that you are not the product of billions of years of evolution. It means that even though everything is chaotic here, there's still one who rules and reigns over it all, and his name is Jehovah God. In the beginning, God. Psalm 47, eight, God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. This is good news because God isn't just ruling and reigning way up there. He's also ruling down here. It means that God's name is above the name of every president. God's name is above the name of every dictator. God's name is above the name of every earthly agenda over every, every governmental rule. God's name is above it all. Now here's the question. 
How long will God rule for? Psalm 146, verse 10. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. So what's our response to God's rule? First Chronicles 16, 31. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Then Jesus comes down. God, Emmanuel, God in the flesh with us. He comes on the scene, Mark 1:15. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the gospel. King James Version says the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. What's the good news? The good news is that Jesus is the king. The good news is that Jesus brings the kingdom. The good news is that God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ. The good news is that Jesus has the name that is above every name. Every time that you see Jesus casting out a demon, he's saying that God rules and reigns over every demonic force, over every principality and power of darkness. Every time Jesus heals the sick, he's saying God rules over sickness and cancer and disease. Every time God uh, calms the storm, every time Jesus calms the storm, what he's saying is God rules and reigns over the circumstances of this life. Every time Jesus gets a dead person out of a tomb, he's saying that God rules and reigns over death, hell, and the grave. His name is above it all. And then we see this great joy at the very end as the saints gather in God's presence. Revelation 19, it says, then I heard this. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah for our Lord God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. What we are seeing is that the message of the entire scripture is that God is ruling and reigning from Genesis to Revelation, everything in between and everything forever on both sides. God rules and reigns above it all. That is good news. That is good news. And what the apostle Paul says about the gospel is this, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. What? According to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. What? According to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have, some have died. Then he appeared to James and then to the apostles. And by the way, that's when he ascended into heaven. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. In other words, I had no business. Paul was killing Christians. I had no business even being in this kingdom. Here's what Paul's gospel is. Here's what he's saying. Paul's gospel was that God's rule and God's reign takes this form that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and he was raised again on the third day. Okay, hang with me. This is the most important event in human history. Okay, we're gonna celebrate it in just a few weeks on Easter, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are asking, but wait a second. I, I, I thought that the gospel wasn't only that Jesus died for our forgiveness. Two things. One, Jesus's death, burial, and the resurrection isn't only about forgiveness. Okay, what we're getting into with the death, the burial, and the resurrection is talking about the depth of the gospel. 
Okay, and we're gonna get into that next week, the depth of the gospel. What we're talking about today is the breadth of the gospel. There is a depth to the gospel and there is a breadth to the gospel. And so what I don't want you to miss is this. Jesus died what? According to the scriptures. He was buried, he was raised again, what? According to the scripture. What is Paul doing? Paul's going Old Testament on us. Come on, somebody. Come on, come on, New Testament Christians. You know, there's this myth that the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore. All right, listen. What, what Paul is telling us is, is that the gospel didn't begin at John 3, 16. He's telling us that Jesus didn't just appear out of thin air and everybody was like, who's this guy? We didn't see him coming. What he's doing is every time that Paul talks about the gospel, he's stretching back. He's connecting it back to what the prophet said hundreds and even thousands of years before Jesus, Jesus came in the history of Israel, which is why the Old Testament still matters because the Old Testament gives us context for Christ. It lets us see the whole story that Jesus didn't just materialize. Why? Because you're a sinner and you need Jesus. That's a very small one verse sort of a gospel. And you are not seeing the breadth and the beauty of the gospel. But here's the deal, guys. If the gospel is the grand story of God ruling and reigning above it all, right? Listen, listen, let me say it like this. If the gospel's only about forgiveness, think about it like this. It starts in the wrong place. It's awkwardly offensive. It doesn't require anything of us. And it's really small. But if the gospel is actually the grand story of God ruling and reigning above it all, what it does, it stretches from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We see God's heart of love shown in the Garden of Eden in creation. We see his heart kicking off a rescue mission for us even when we rebelled. We see the thread of love go from Eden to Noah, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to create a people through which the Messiah would come. Jesus was born of a virgin to fulfill the scriptures in the line of King David to fulfill the scriptures. He was murdered on the cross to fulfill the scriptures. He rose again to fulfill the scriptures. He conquered sin and death to fulfill the scriptures. He appeared to Peter and the disciples to show that he was still alive. He ascended into heaven, appeared to Paul to show that he is still alive. And through faith in him, we defeat death and become children of God according to the scriptures. Then he sends the Holy Spirit to come upon us so that we can be carriers of the good news, to live out the good news, to show the good news. And the fact that he's coming back for his people according to the scriptures. And then on that day, we will rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That is a big, bloody, beautiful gospel that speaks to all of life, demands my whole life, encompasses the past, the present, and the future of everything and everyone. Listen, Jesus does not just lay claim to your sin. Jesus lays claim to all of you and everything. This is why Abraham Kuyper said this, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ who is sovereign over all does not cry, mine, mine. Listen, the gospel began in Genesis, found the exclamation point in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and stretches, groans, looking ahead to the restoration of all things in Revelation. And what is God doing? He is ruling and reigning over it all. Can you see the breadth and the beauty of the gospel today? 
He is ruling and reigning over it all. And this gospel, this good news, is what shapes, informs, and forms one of the most important things for us. It's called our worldview. It's called our worldview. Okay, let me define worldview for you really quickly. Okay, here's how I'd say it. Worldview is the glasses through which we view the world and all reality, and it's the framework within which we interpret the data of the world and of life. So here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. I want you to see it like this. Our worldview, I'm gonna go Clark Kent on you real quick. (laughs) Our worldview is the lens through which we look out at the world around us, and it's also the lens through which we filter everything that happens in life. Does that make sense? Does it make a little bit of sense? All right, our worldview is how we see the world and how we kind of put the things that happen in life into boxes. It's how we make sense of everything is our worldview, okay? So here's how I'd say it. When a war breaks out in Ukraine, your worldview is how you think about that war, how you make sense of that war and how you filter the impact of that war on you. Okay, when you're driving down the road and you see somebody without a home who's, who's asking for money, your worldview determines how you see that person and what you're going to do about that reality that they're in. And as Christians, our worldview is that God is ruling and reigning above it all through Jesus Christ. That's the glasses that we have put on. And this is what we have to realize, guys. Our worldview is what makes us different people. We have on this pair of glasses, the people around us have on a different pair of glasses. This is why I wanted all the campuses with us. And this is especially why you're in here if you're a middle school student. Okay, sixth, seventh, eighth graders, high school students, young college students, right? There's something that happens when you get a little bit older, you start to understand this just a little bit, even if you don't have the language for it, but especially when you're younger, you don't get it. Why do you stand out? Why, do, why, why are they talking differently than we do at home? Why are they talking about stuff as if it's good when, when we talk about that stuff like it's bad? Because you're a Christian, because you're a Christian. You're different, you're different. I want, never forget this, never forget this. Because you're a Christian, you're different. You see things different, you think different, you act different, you live different, you talk different, you process different. Why? Because you have what's called a Christian meta-narrative. I'm gonna use a really big word with you. Okay, Christian meta-narrative. Okay, what is a meta-narrative? A meta-narrative is the idea that there is one meta, means big, means huge. There is one big story that sits on top of all the little stories. That's what a meta-narrative is. Our world wages war against the idea of a meta-narrative. It denies the reality of a meta-narrative. Why? Because if there is a God who's ruling and reigning over all this, that means that I'm not ruling and reigning over all this. That would mean that I'm not God. 
and that would mean that I don't get to do whatever I wanna do. So I wage war against the idea of a big story. No, man, just live your truth. No, man, just live for today. Love is love. Oh, why? Because we're judging it based on my filter, my view, my denial of a fact that there's a God who rules and reigns over it all. So listen, the world around us denies a meta-narrative, but as Christians, everything we do is built on the meta-narrative of the good news that God is ruling and reigning over all this from the garden in Genesis to the new city in, 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 uh, in Revelation. God is telling one big meta-narrative overarching story that we're currently in right now. You understand, I know, I know you're the main character in your story because everywhere you, wait, you go, there you are. You know what I'm saying? Like you look in the mirror, there I am again, right? So we think that this whole story is about us. I need to tell you this. You are a bit character in the overall plan of God. You're not the main character. He is. He is. And if he's, if he's the author of the whole thing, listen, then that filters how I see everything. Listen, our trust in the gospel, the meta-narrative, big picture, good news story of God, flavors everything about our life. Let, let me just say it like this. Here's the, here's the glasses you put on. I'm gonna just kind of typify your life, okay? As a Christian, you're aiming at wanting to have an awesome marriage. You're aiming at wanting to raise great kids who love Jesus. You're aiming to use your gifts for the glory of God, to work a job that brings God glory. You may not be there, but that's the desire of your heart, right? You wanna use your gifts to bring God's glory. You wanna be a part of a local church, a local family. You wanna know God intimately through prayer. You, you wanna love, share the love of Jesus with your neighbors. You want your life to, to, to enter into heaven and hear well done, right? Your friend wakes up thinking about how much money can I make today? I'm living for the weekend because I wanna sleep in on Saturday morning and find out how many people I can sleep with on Saturday night. And I'm really aiming to get a retirement place and someplace that's really warm. And what I really just wanna do is, is a live a life that's flourishing, to live my truth and to just, just enjoy life. Listen, what I'm telling you is that's not a different opinion. That's a different worldview. What I'm saying is they're living for earth. You're living for heaven. That's why you're going in two different places. Come on, seventh, eighth graders, ninth graders. That's why you're having those sorts of conversations where you're like, I don't get it. That's why they're making fun of you because you're living for a different world. When they're living for tomorrow, you're living for forever. Those are the glasses that you put on, okay? Therefore, you will be different. Let me say it like this. It's not that you have a different political view about abortion. Come on, pastor, just preach the gospel. <laughs> Why are we talking about this stuff now? It's politics. It's not politics. Not politics. Because what your neighbor puts on is this view that this whole thing is one big cosmic accident. We're here by mistake. We're the product of billions of years of evolution, survival of the fittest. Therefore, I am God. My emotions are God. I don't want a pregnancy so I can kill that baby. Sorry, terminate that pregnancy. Why? Because I get to make my own decisions right? While you put on the glasses to say, hey, this isn't one big cosmic accident. This is one big cosmic story. 
And there's a good author who rules and reigns over all this. And bigger than my rights is his reign. So he actually gets the final say over my life. Why, 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 why? Because they're living for here. You're living for there. That's the glasses that you have. And that's the glasses that they have. The fact that God rules and reigns over everything. That's the gospel. That's the good news. It changes everything. It changes. Listen, if there is a God who's ruling and reigning over everything through Jesus Christ, that changes everything. Because God rules and reigns through Jesus Christ, I can take heart when everything here is being shaken because the God who reigns sits on a throne that will never be shaken. Because God rules and reigns through Jesus Christ, I don't worry when I hear of wars and rumors of wars and famines and gas shortages, why? Because my God's name is Jehovah Jireh who provides for the needs of his people. If God is ruling and reigning above it all through Jesus Christ, I will conduct myself different on social media and on the internet. I won't post that or click on that, why? Because I don't reign, he does. If God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ, I will believe differently about sexuality. Why? Because while the world thinks that their feelings are God, I know that Jehovah is God. And even if I wanna act on that desire, I will not because I don't reign, he does. If God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ, I will think differently about gender than the world does around me. Why? Because how they feel on any given day determines their identity. I am not my, what I feel, I am who he says that I am. Because I don't reign, he does. If God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ, I'm not gonna live my truth because my truth might just take me off the edge of a cliff. My truth can take me straight to hell. But the good news is, God has already sent his capital D truth and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the living word of God. And so since he reigns and I don't, what I have to live by is, Jesus, you're right about everything. Wherever we disagree, I'm wrong and you're right. It might be my truth, but your truth is bigger than my truth. So I bow my knee to eternal truth because the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. If God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ, I'm not gonna spend my career chasing money. I'm not gonna chase money, I'm gonna chase my calling. I'm gonna chase where God is leading me to go with my life because he's leading me to green pastures and still waters. If God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ, I'm not gonna divorce my spouse because I don't like where we're at right now. Because my feelings aren't my God, my God is my God. He's made a covenant with me that he won't break. And I gotta keep my covenant, why? Because I don't reign, he does. If God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ, I'm gonna train my kids up in the way that they should go, that as they grow older, they wouldn't depart from it, even when I'm tired. Because if I don't train my kids up, there's a world that's ready to train them up. If God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ, I'm not passively gonna be a follower in this life. I'm gonna be a leader and an influencer in this life because the same power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You were made for something great. Come on, you're a peculiar people, a chosen nation, a royal priesthood. You're a special people. If God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ, I'm not trying to fit God into my story. I wanna fit my life into his story. If God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ, I'm not trying to form God into my image. I want my life to be conformed and transformed into his image. 
If God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ, I will pray for the sick. I will be a messenger of hope. I will speak in the name of love. I will speak out for the unborn. I will lift up the disenfranchised. I will, I will be a friend to the outcast. Come on, I will, I will be a shoulder for those who are crying to lean on. I will weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice because God rules and reigns above it all. And if he rules and reigns above it all, I will not fear death, but I will live my life to the fullest knowing that when I close my eyes here on earth, I will open them up and hear the royal well done, my good and faithful servant. And for the first time in my life, I will finally be home. Because the fact that God rules and reigns above it all changes everything, changes everything. Filters how I see life, filters how I see myself, filters how I see my sin, filters how I respond to God in my sin. Because listen, this story's not about me. He already said it's finished. Do my, does my sin get to override his work on the cross? No, he has the final say, and he said it's finished. So now there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he rules and reigns above it all. He rules and reigns above it all. So when, there, when there's worries over here, and a thousand fall at your left side, and 10,000 at your right, I'm not gonna fear that. Because the Lord, my God, will be with me wherever I go. And he's the God who rules and reigns above it all. The name of Jesus Christ can drive out every sickness, every fear, every disease. He's already taken the keys of death, hell, and the grave. What do you have to be afraid about? What do you have to be afraid about? Is your hope in horses? your hope in chariots? Is your hope in tanks? Is your hope in soldiers? Is your hope in a president? Your hope in a government? My hope's in the Lord. That's where my help comes from. His name is a strong tower. I can run to and be saved. That's the gospel, guys. That's the gospel. Break it out of this little thing. Well, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. It's so small. It's so small. It's good news, but it's so small. The true gospel is that from Genesis to Revelation, everything in between and forever on both sides, God is ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ in the midst of it all. And our response to that is what we need to do today. We need to stand up off the throne of our life. We need to get out of the way. Come on. We need to take sin, lust, money, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, kids off the throne and let the only one who's worthy, who actually has the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ, come down and sit squarely, fully, 100%. Not, not like, hey, Jesus, can you make room? Can you make room? Can I get a little, can I get a cheek on it? Can I get a cheek on the throne? No. He gets all of it. He gets all of it. He gets the full throne. And we get out of the way. Say, you rule and you reign. Wherever we disagree, you're right and I'm wrong. Because <laughs> that's the path of life. That's the path of life. And that's the story of the God who loves you. That's the story of the God who loves me. It's the story of the treasures forever past and forever future. And we get to be in it. That's the good news. Let's do this. Let's stand up to our feet. Come on. Across all of our campuses, let's stand up to our feet. Come on. Let's keep that same, same love, that same worship. Let's, let's, let's pray. Come on, if you're able, let's lift up our hands. God, you are good. You are worthy to be praised. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. The word holy means other than. God, you are completely other than. You're completely different than anything. No one is your equal. No one has ever taught you anything. <laughs> no one has ever counseled the Lord on anything. You are omniscient. You know it all. You're omnipresent. You are everywhere. 
You're omnipotent. You have full power and full strength to do whatever you please. And so God, right now, we lift high your name. Oh, come on. I'm gonna lead us in prayer. Let's, I'm gonna say it and then won't you repeat it after me. Let's, let's, let's pray like this. Come on. God, you reign above it all. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. God, you reign above it all. You are God. And I am not. You are the king of all. It's all yours. The universe is yours. The nations are yours. I am yours. Forgive me for having a small gospel. Forgive me for my rebellion against the true king. Today, I bow my knee to the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus, I place you on the throne of my life. You have the final say. I no longer will try to change you to be like me. I wanna be changed to be like you. And right now, I am forgiven of all my sins. I am free to live for God as a child of God from this day forward, all because of Jesus. God, open my eyes to the breadth and beauty of the true gospel. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Be glorified today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, come on.